Hello everybody and welcome to All Blaze No Glory, the podcast. On this podcast, I'm joined by John Anderson of the Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, I don't think the chat needs much of an introduction, so we'll just get right to it. So um, I'm really pleased to welcome to the po- podcast, uh, Scottish Rugby Twitter and Scottish Rugby Podcast legend, I suppose, uh, John Anderson. <laughs> I mean, I think there's there's definitely better words I've, I've uh, been called than legend, but no, that's very kind of you. Uh, yeah, no, pleasure to be here. Looking forward to this. Uh, the other word I was going to use was darling, but I wasn't sure if you'd prefer legend or not. <laughs> That's one I've not been called, but uh, yeah, you know that might that might stick. We'll see. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm, I'm glad you came on. I didn't want to do a sort of traditional uh, pre-season how are Edinburgh and Glasgow going to do podcast because you guys have, have no doubt covered that uh, fully, and um, uh, there's no point in rehashing all the all the great points you'll have, and I'm, I'm sure Craig's. Uh, Craig set up Edinburgh nicely to for oh, some kind of glorious failure, but anyway. oh, do you know what? He's he's cautious. Bless him, he is cautious. He's not yeah. quite as a as a to the wind as I am. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's pretty cautious. So, but no, you're right. I think I think a lot of a lot of places have done their pre-season podcasts and what have you. And uh, yeah, it's it's all the same. And that's the thing. You can't tell anything until the season actually kicks off and. You see lots of change in, in both sides, so it'll be interesting to see how we go. Yeah, yeah, and uh, if I'm being honest, I'll be honest just briefly, I actually think Glasgow are going to win the, the Shield this year and um, finish below, and as much yeah. as I'm an Edinburgh guy, I've just got this horrible feeling that it's not going to yeah. go very well for Edinburgh. I, I, I started pre-season with like, that, that desperate dread of being like, no, and then even maybe about two weeks ago, I was still like, no, no, no. There was no hope that I, you know, I've, I had this finishing tenth and all sorts. And then I don't know. I don't know what Franco Smith has done to me, but he's just, he, 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 he's just been really good in the press. And I'm like, I kind of buy into this. Let's go. So yeah. So we'll see how we go tonight. Um, obviously we're recording at the same point as the uh, the game's on, so we don't know the score. No spoilers. No, there won't be any spoilers. Spoilers from me. I'm also uh, recording it as I'm going out. We're <laughs> uh, going across the road for some pizza with the neighbours. I'm just looking over in case they've ordered it earlier. I don't want them to get in before me. But uh... <laughs> That's it. yeah, well, as long as it's not going cold over there, because you know some things are more important than rugby. Lots of things. Food is one of them. So, and <laughs> um, so first things first. Um, obviously, you are part of the, the Scottish Rugby podcast, which I think was. Formerly the Scottish Rugby blog, or still is the Scottish Rugby blog. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 stemmed out the, the blog's been going for oh, I've been oh, I'll be what fifteen years this year, um, and originally yeah started just as a, a bit of a, a project of love between Rory, uh, Baldwin, who's the the kind of main main creator of it, and it just podcast sort of naturally evolved. I was I was writing for the blog at the time. Uh, covering Glasgow Glasgow games and just uh, you know putting wee fans pieces together and things like that, uh, and the podcast just kind of evolved. We'd always kind of for about a year and a half we'd kind of talked about should we give it a bash, should we do this, and then Cami uh, Cami Black, who obviously is the most on it, just looked a bit the bullet and went for it. And I think I made my debut on episode two, and uh, we're now on episode two hundred and twenty-three. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, it's it's going great, guns and. Uh... Actually, the the reason I asked you to come on was was sort of inspired by the episode I think you had with Scrum of the Earth, where oh yeah, you were a little off the loose a little bit, and it was tough. <laughs> to so, um, 
Yeah, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Just um, in terms of your own uh, rugby experience, do you play a bit? How how did you get become a fan of rugby? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I played. Uh, I started playing when I was five. Uh, I'm originally from the Isle of Bute, so uh, I was uh, was a youth player down there for many many years. Uh, played a bit in Aberdeen as well when I lived up there. Played a bit again for Butte when I moved back to the west of Scotland. Uh, and then had a, a couple of seasons at Bishopton. Um, they were the last club I was at. Um, and I, I tried to go back after COVID. Um, I tried to get back into it and just uh, my, my legs weren't quite in it anymore. Um, but, you know, certainly from, from playing the sport, I've always really, I've always really enjoyed watching rugby uh, and, and playing it. It's, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, but it's been really good as well to be on that other side of the game. And I know, you know, people went to coaching, people went to refereeing and stuff like that. And some of us have got to go into punditry, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's great what you guys do. And I like that there's a there's sort of lighthearted bit of it, but you've also covered some the more difficult topics in rugby as well, yeah. including the, uh, the episode you had with Nick Johnson was excellent on head knocks. I've not uh, actually missed the, the trans episode about the yeah, yeah, yeah. rugby, but I will go back and, and, and listen to that one as well. But um I, I think I quite the like next was the episode I how I was absolutely I, I was completely at panic stations before I was so nervous. I don't I don't tend to be too nervous about you know these things. We've done a lot of episodes now and uh you know the format's quite set and you, you kind of know where you're going with it but before that episode I was absolutely I, I, I had notes and notes. I had about 10 pages of notes in front of me and I was shaking before I was so nervous because it's such an important topic and we really, really wanted to do it justice. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit nerve-wracking. Well, um, you guys do great work. I think I've probably now topped up your pod for for most of this. So uh, uh, if anyone (laughs) hasn't heard of the Scottish Rugby podcast and you're somehow listening to me, go check them out as well because it's really good stuff. Um, and it brings me to what I thought we could talk about um, because you guys had a, an episode with uh, the Scrum of the Earth, I think it was. It is the guy from America. I yeah, Dave Lawrence. Yep, yeah, yeah, he's he's got a very good podcast out there. Tracking. And uh, and you guys were talking about the new the new Scotland jersey um, <laughs> and, and whether you liked it or not. And it got me thinking about the different jersey Scotland and the different phases of jersey Scotland have been through. Yep. So that was one thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, another. Recurring theme in, in the Scottish Rugby uh, podcast is, of course, um, what happened to the real Flinty. <laughs> um, Indeed. <laughs> and uh, and I've, I thought maybe we could just talk about a few players that we might think might be surprise, you know, um, bolters for, for, for Scotland or, or Glasgow or Edinburgh. Yep. And a couple of surprising maybe um, non-factors, like players that maybe be big factors but might not be that important this year to yep. Scotland. Um so um, with that in mind, I'll start off with my theory on what happened to to Flinty. Convoluted, <laughs> and I, but to be honest with you, because I've heard you guys talking about it on several occasions, my brain has been going about it. So um, my theory goes back to uh, a, a similar theme to Royal Rumble 1994. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, in Royal Rumble 1994... The Undertaker faced Yokozuna in a casket match for the WWF Championship, as it was known then. And my theory is that things were going bad for Edinburgh when Cockrell was there. 
And I think the only person that's been man enough to face him has been your man, Flinty. And I think what's happened is he's faced him in a casket match that we've not known, an unsanctioned casket match. Cockrell's got some of his old English guys involved and somehow the real Flinty has lost this match. Now, my belief is that the new Flinty has been brought back kind of like by the Ted DiBiase character, which I call Mark Dodson in our <laughs> um, and paraded about as being the real Flinty. And I think when Scottish rugby gets its PR at the very lowest, the lights are going to go off in the stadium. We're going to hear Cammy with a voice like Paul Bearer going, oh, yes. And he's going to bring out the real Flinty to confront Mark Dodson and the, and the new Flinty. So it's very convoluted and it probably isn't true, but that's, that is my... I theory. mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell yourself short there. I think that's a fantastic... Uh, I, I mean, I think there's, there's no smoke without fire. And I think there's, there's elements of that story that I can definitely see. Um, so I, I really think you're onto something there, and it would tie in quite nicely with, you know, some of the more kind of Americanization of rugby. You know, d- dramatically doing things. Maybe that is actually why Dodson invested in Old Glory. Maybe it was to learn. He actually wasn't invested in the rugby, but he was he was checking out the WWE, um, like the 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 road show that they have. And just getting some ideas about how best to to, to go with Flinty. So yeah, I, I think something that's a cracking theory. Love that. I, I don't know how Cammy will react to being the Paul Bearer character in all this. Oh, he'll, he'll be all in on that. He is. He'll be all in on that. He's he's a big. He loves a bit of drama. Does our Cam? So Cam, Cam Bearer, who's now known as. <laughs> that does does presume that he does get out of Flinty rehab at some point because we're, we're pretty sure that's where he is just now he's he's currently working through his Flinty issues <laughs> <laughs> um, brilliant brilliant um, so moving on talking about rugby jersey and stuff you talked about the new jersey um, yeah I'm not a fan of the of the collar I, and I was by the I was by the cotton ones because yeah. I'm a big fella and I sweat and these ones are a little bit they're, they're comfy. They're comfy and they, they do the job. <laughs> um, but I thought we'd maybe talk about some of the jerseys that you maybe have a particular memory of in uh, Scotland. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you know, for whether it's for good reasons or bad reasons, um, <laughs> you bring it up. Um, so just to, just to get us started, the jersey that I, it's, to me, is that most iconic Scotland jersey for me as a fan growing up was the orange cotton oh, Oxford jersey yep. of 1999. Um, and the yep. reason for that was it's the first time I was ever allowed to go to a rugby game by myself was 1999 to see them play the All Blacks. Yep. Um, and uh, and they lost, um, as they always do to the All Blacks. Um, but I was in the corner, up way up high, when uh, Cammy Murray scored his try against the All Blacks and the place yep. went mental. But my biggest memory of that game, and I don't know if you went to it or not, was um, the the try wasn't cheered that loudly. But when Cammy Murray managed to tackle John Alomo, John Alomo the, yep. ground, the crowd acted like they'd won the World Cup. <laughs> so that's why I kind of remember that jersey rather fondly, even though we perhaps weren't the most successful team in it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an iconic jersey, isn't it? And it's funny, actually, because you've, you've picked a topic that's very close to my heart, because I actually collect rugby jerseys 
So I've got a, quite a significant, just in the cupboard, just to, to my left-hand side here, I've got a significant number of uh, Scotland jerseys and uh, jerseys from around the world. And uh, those of you, if you tune in live to the podcast, you often see me sporting a, a, sporting a, 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 a nonsense top of some description. So, uh, yeah, like, for me, so first of all, the Scot- the current Scotland jersey, the new one, I totally agree with you. I think the collar is disgusting. I absolutely despise it. I think it's, I think it ruins what has potentially be a decent top. Um, that said, I think the simplistic sort of simplistic nature of the top at the moment, I, I just find it a bit off-putting. I'm glad there's none of the, the the kind of random pink that got into last year's top. That was a bit strange, but hey ho. Um, so I'm, uh, yeah, but the blue collar is. I mean, it's it's a statement, isn't it? But it's not very nice. But um, in terms of tops, I I always associate tops not necessarily with like teams or or like particular times. I associate I normally associate it with a particular player. So like when I when I talk about a jersey, like I've got um, I think it's uh the away strip. Uh, it's a Scotland away strip with the the kind of banding on it, and it's like the, it's got the kind of tartan coloured banding. And I think it's twenty fourteen. Uh, or twenty fifteen, and it's it's for me it's the Alex Dunbar strip because he was at his prime during it, and you know watching players at their prime. There's 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 the Duhan Van der Merwe away top, the white one uh, from a couple of seasons ago. That's uh, a personal favourite as well. So yeah, I mean, I think Scotland Scotland strips are always they're always a hit or miss, aren't they? And, like we've been quite, I think we've been quite. Um, Probably since the famous Saltire one, the the Stuart Hog, as it is known in my head, um, the the Saltire one with the big blue cross in the front, which was a an interesting statement. I think since then we've had a fairly, like most of our strips have been fairly sensible. Um, I always like our World Cup strips as well. Like I don't know what it is about a World Cup strip, but we do them good. The one I was watching a highlights package the other night. And it was a uh, oh it was it was Scotland tries since twenty ten, and there was a couple from the twenty eleven World Cup, and that was the the blue strip with the gold trim, yeah. And oh, what a strip that was! Gorgeous. Yeah, that was the one, of course, with the the famous last minute try to beat Romania. Yes, Danielli. Danielli. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we a hatchet job on ourselves. Um, yeah, no, that that was nice. Because they had that kind of weird period with the um, Canterbury jerseys where they had that white jersey, that had the navy jersey, but had all that white sticky stuff on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might have been the most rank one in the last 20 years for me. It was a nightmare as well because like once you washed it, that, that stuff all just came off. And it just like <laughs> immediately looked like this desperately poor quality strip. It was, yeah, dreadful. I, I think I owned two or three of those because um, a retailer who... A retailer that's not necessarily a retailer in favour uh, in in the United Kingdom or or certainly in Scotland anymore. But uh, might the retailer in question might might have owned Newcastle Football Club for a wee while. Um, they they done a special on them and they were like a fiver. Support like three. I'll <laughs> 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 <That> do. <laughs> that's fair, fair enough. And um, I mean, uh, and te- first and foremost, we need to apologise if Ian Hayes listening. You just referred to Scotland top as a way top, so. Um, is it Ian? That's or... true. Ian will have words with me on that. that uh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Do you know, that's the thing, Mike. Um, 
so, some people are very, very particular about their, their, their rugby, aren't they? And uh, yeah, I'd I quite like winding them up with that. But no, <laughs> you, you know, have words with him. But I'm, I'm expecting as soon as this drops for Ian to be shouting abuse at me. So uh, as is his want. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll have a grown-up discussion about that. <laughs> in terms of the uh, in terms of the, the the World Cup trips, I think part of it is the fact that the sponsors get taken off them as well. Yeah. Um, so the and the, the 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 World Cup logo always looks nice on them um, too. Uh, for example, the I've got the the sky blue one from the last World Cup, uh, which I'd rather forget the World Cup as it, as it were. But I've got the sky blue one. Yep. Um, and uh, I would never have bought the sky blue one with the BT logo on it the way it was because it looked terrible. Whereas it looks yep. nice without any logo on it. So yeah, that, that is that is a nice strip. It's nice. I actually quite like the sky blue color as well. I think in in my head is that the Kyle Stain or I don't know. It might be a, a one further on. That's the Kyle Stain. But yep, yeah, that, that, yep. you know, you're absolutely right. I think the sponsor logos, and I'm not one of these guys who's going to sit here and be like. Oh, corporate sponsorship fads. We can't, you know, need to go back to not having. Well, we're a professional sport. You need to make money, and the fact that you know big companies want to slap their logo in front on your front of your strip, brilliant, right? But it does mean the World Cup strips are special, and it's it's really nice. Um, it does make it makes them harder to buy, though. That's the other thing. They become they're much rarer and normally more expensive. So, um, for someone trying to collect strips, it becomes a wee bit of a yeah, we've we've bit of an issue, but yeah, there are some some gorgeous World Cup strips. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't particularly have an issue with sponsors either. I think it was just the the BT logo was changed from the sort of colourful one to this yeah. circle that looked like someone had made it back in the days of MS DOS or something. <laughs> it was just, you know, it would just put me off it completely. Whereas I understand you need a sponsor, uh, yeah. which is why I quite like the cotton one of the. Sort of after Peter Vardy because the Peter Vardy logo is down here. And it's not. It's, yeah, it's just a small, just up up in the breast, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a bit more subtle, uh, which is always nice. Yeah, so I suppose asking out loud, what what was your what was your favourite top to uh, or you know out of all the ones you've got, including including your your non Scotland ones? Give me a yeah. Oh, uh, so yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I think it it does depend. It depends on it depends on the time time frame, right? But I, I've got a weird affection for the Stormers, right? Which and I know it's one of those ones that's really corporate with a big DHL on it and you know and the blue and white stripes and all that. I I don't know. I just like so there, it's what twenty fourteen, uh, twenty fourteen Stormers top that I've got. It's just I just love it. I just absolutely adore it. Um. Second to that, I've got a uh, Jaguares top, uh, one of their away tops from their Super Rugby. Beautiful top as well. Really like that one. From a Scotland perspective, um, I don't really have like any. There's no any real Scotland tops that I have like a desperate affection for. Um, I really like the the Finn Russell one from the from the the Calcutta Cup. That Calcutta Cup match with the the pass. Uh, you know, I I, see, I have a massive affection for that strip. But other than that, Scotland strips tend to be, you know, kind of with aside from the World Cup ones, not really big favourites of mine. Um, Glasgow strips, on the other hand, um, there's there's a there's been a few over the years that have kind of really stood out to me. And 
Um, and strangely enough, my favourite Glasgow strip is one of... It's going to sound really bad, but it's one of the only strips I've bought brand new. Uh, and even there, I didn't actually buy it brand new. It was uh, I was given a gift voucher for my thirtieth birthday <laughs> for the exact amount that Glasgow strip would cost. It was like mm, I see where you're going with this, guys. Um, and it was the one. It was the Naya Naya Navoro one where big where big tack was playing for us uh, at the 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 bridge and the the crane down the side and the the Centurions and it was a BT Sport sponsored one and you know I, I just thought it was a really really tidy strip and it's one of the ones I, I still wear to this day I'll, I'll dig that out wear it quite regularly so yeah I mean just honestly you could get me pick, pick a different day and I'll tell you a different strip that I love but uh, the one that jumped out straight at me was the Stormers one I love that top so much but I also love all black tops and I've got quite a few of those as well think think is that I think it's a figure thing, you know. A wee bit of black. It's quite a slimming colour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I look like a Belisha Beacon with my lion's top on here, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I went very, very casually into black for this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, is it is it just the all blacks ones? Or normally, the Maori one you get because the Maori ones vary a lot the, more. The, yeah, so it's not. I normally I normally stick with the 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 traditional all blacks ones. Um, I have got a Maori one. Uh, that I like it was the Maori one from two or three seasons ago, which has got the proper big like uh, design up the up the the side of it, and I do like that type of strip as well. I'm wearing for those that are on audio here. I'm wearing a Chiefs top at the moment, and it, this one doesn't have the the kind of Maori designs, but um, I do love those tops that do. Um, but yeah, I think just a traditional all blacks top, plain black, no no frills, just a white Adidas logo, white. White or black logo jobs are good. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, my favourite, my favourite non, I suppose non Scotland or Edinburgh one, um, is actually the Romania two thousand and fifteen World Cup strip. Oh, good call. Yeah, yellow yeah, one nice with a, like a towery thing in the in it and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the one that I've got doesn't fit me anymore, but I'm determined to keep it. Um, so, so one day I might fit into it. And uh, yeah, that that that's my favorite favorite one out out of them all. But um, moving on to moving on to, I think I touched on this maybe in my message to you. You mentioned uh, in that podcast with Scrum of the Earth the um, the the Edinburgh like charity shirts that you used to do that were like like oh yes right like some kid that put Sunny Delight on a jigsaw puzzle jersey yeah um yeah and. Uh, it got me thinking that it's something that Glasgow and Edinburgh don't do, like you know that you've seen the super teams do the like Marvel stuff and all this sort of yeah. stuff. So if there was a a way that like Glasgow or Edinburgh could cash in on something like that, having a movie yeah. or that into, the, I don't know if you thought of any or if I'm kind of putting you on the hop here. I've got a couple. I mean, you're putting me on the hop, but that's okay. We'll go with that. That's fine. That's sometimes how genius comes. Uh, so. I mean, yeah, well, Glasgow's got obviously quite a... You're just thinking about the movies thing, actually. Glasgow's now got quite a culture of movies being shot in the city. And, you know, I mean, there is... There's the, the Batman was obviously shot partially in Glasgow. You could definitely see a bit of the old... You know, I mean, I don't think Ryan Wilson would be thrilled, but, um, you know, <laughs> I think the rest of the team might enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, I actually came up with um, my my one was was a little bit more, um, I guess, niche, um, and it didn't relate to Glasgow as a city itself. It was really to name Warriors, and I thought they could have like a sort of like a denim jacket on the jersey with like a white sleeve, and have the Warriors spray paint on the back above with the numbers, and just nice. yeah, yeah, come out before the game. Some some bottle clinks. Warriors come out to play. <laughs> um, it was it, it, it got very elaborate very quickly, um, as did my story about Flinty earlier on. <laughs> so, all all the best stories get get. You know what? You don't don't just stop when you think you think you've you think you've gone too far. Just keep going because there's gold. There's always gold on the end of that. That's yeah. I mean that's that Warriors a cracking film. That's got great potential. Yeah. Um, I mean you can see that the graffiti style um, numbers. Obviously, we're talking in rugby now about putting player names in the back of jerseys as well. Like, if that was to happen, oh, there you go. Oh, that's good. that has good potential. Yeah. That's no. got serious potential. <laughs> For Edinburgh, there's, there's a lot less potential. We've all talked about the old uh, Aaron Bruton. But, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah that, that that is good this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually bizarrely quite like that jersey, but... Um, for Edinburgh, the only movie I could think of that worked was we get a sort of working man sort of design, um, and then they come out to everything is awesome from the Lego movie, because uh, I'm sure he has a sort of working guy. <laughs> Overalls, yeah. Yeah. So that's the only thing I could think of for Edinburgh, and the logo is pretty much a Lego piece. So um, oh, exactly, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen that. I've seen the, the Edinburgh kit in a Lego shop somewhere. So, yeah, that's got potential. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly clearly a career for you in this. And, you know, this is why we need to get your podcast. You know, we need to get the SRU listening to these sort of things because these ideas don't don't just come out of nowhere. These, these are genius. And the SRU needs to be listening because we're, we're on to something here. Char- charity, charity strips are a thing and should definitely be brought back. Yeah, I, to, I, I 100% agree because I, I think you know, it was quite nice at New Year. I mean, I, I didn't actually ever buy one, but it was nice seeing yeah. them in a different strip and you'd see people randomly, there's still people randomly turn up to the games in them, but, you know, it was it was quite nice. It brightened up the stadium. It was a bit changed. But... Magnificent. Edinburgh, that was in the Aberdeen asset days, wasn't it? And you had such, just some absolutely magnificent strips. Um, the the sight of Phil Godman wearing some absolute monstrosity of a strip, um, whilst 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 being world class Phil Godman as he was for those two games every year, because um, Glasgow couldn't get near his ever. So annoying. We had we had King Dan Parks running the show. Um, yeah. So yeah. now that you look back at it, we really were starved, weren't we? But it's it's a wonder. Or it's little wonder we get quite excited when we've got fly halves who can actually run and pass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, I won't uh, in this next bit talk too much about a certain fly half from Edinburgh though, because I know that's a sore subject for some people. Um, <laughs> um, so um, <laughs> yeah, have you have you any more? Have you got any ideas for Edinburgh or? Edinburgh are pretty stuck. I mean, do you know, Edinburgh, they are a challenge. They are a challenge. And, you know, I think you probably a couple of years ago, you said a great marketing opportunity when you, you know, with your defend the fort nonsense and uh, all your your kind of chain mail and all sorts of things. I mean, there was all sorts of historical 
stuff you could have done at that point with your chain mail. You could have, I don't know, you could have all dressed up as Joan of Arc. You uh, could have, you know, just went, went to town with some sort of historical battle thing, uh, running out with claymores if you so desire. I don't know. But yeah, I think your current branding, you've, 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 you've stepped away and you're, you're now a bit too iron blue for me. But we could probably tie these in with some sort of disaster movie. And that's not suggesting that you are a disaster, more just, you know, the volcano. But uh, we'll see how well season two goes before we, we do that tie-in. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope uh, our games aren't as bad as the, as the two pre-season games were. Because, uh, I mean, I was at the London Scottish one, and uh, if it was indeed uh, Ian Wallace, I think it was suggested that pulled the fire. Turned down the lights. <laughs> <laughs> I salute you because it was honestly it was the most exciting bit of the game. Uh, so so off the cuff that that part of that podcast where we were like detectives, let's go, we're going to solve the crime. <laughs> Idiots, man. Yeah. Uh, I also don't get how you could pull a screamer. I think it's a screamer one, so I don't know how you could pull that by accident. But no, uh, that no, that there's some very strong person or slash mascot slash cry for help. That has definitely pulled that like to get attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, mo- moving on before we get sued by the SRU. Um, <laughs> we'll add uh, it to the pile. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of in terms of uh, Scotland, Glasgow, or Edinburgh this year, is is there any players that you're thinking that maybe have been a bit under the radar before that you think are are going to step up and and be something for Scotland or 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 indeed just Glasgow or Edinburgh. Yeah, so I I certainly think from so Glasgow we'll talk, we'll talk about Glasgow first. Glasgow have got a, it's a really interesting season with new coach, new philosophy. Kind of a lot of fans like myself not expecting much, and actually we're kind of we're a bit, we're still all a bit traumatized uh, by the end of the Wilson era. So there's there's lots of players that we kind of thought were done that have stuck around or have been given given another shot. And one one guy stands out for me. He is playing tonight, uh, starting tonight. Stafford McDowell um, has been on the precipice of breaking into Glasgow teams for so, so long. And he offers just such a point of difference compared to all the other centres we have in that he's six foot four, six foot five, 18, 19 stone can kick like a mule. So I really think a player, a player like him, this could be. But I mean, I think it really is last chance alone for him this season. But I think the way he's been talking in the press, I, I just think a wee bit of confidence in him. He could really be. This could be his breakout season, um, which we have said a lot. And you know, feel free to come back to me at the end of the season when he gets released and say. Didn't quite get that one right, John, but I, I think I think he could go well. I think other than that, the young guys, the young guys at Glasgow have all got another season of rugby under their belts. It'll be really interesting to see guys, guys like Ollie Smith, um, see him get a wee bit more game time as well. Um, I want to see Rufus McLean kick on as well because he he's really he's got absolutely everything that a modern winger needs. Um, just hasn't stayed clear of injury yet and. You know, that's concerning. So we'll see how that goes. From an Edinburgh perspective, like you've got you are a year further down the line of that that rebuild. 
Um, and he's done such a good job of it last year and that the recruitment was so on point. And for me, the only thing he's have done wrong is lost someone like Moyano, who I thought had come on a really, really good game, but you've replaced him well. You've got talent in. You've got a pipeline of young players coming through as well. I think this could be the year you see someone like Connor Boyle really, really kind of, you know, it'll take one injury for Hamish Watson and you might find that Watson struggles to get back in that team because I think Connor Boyle's that good. Um, and there's another name across the across the M8 that, uh, in that position who may have a say for Scotland. But uh, I think I think if, if Mish doesn't hit the ground running this year, you're going to find Connor Boyle get a lot of game time and maybe usurping him in that Edinburgh side. In your backs, you've, I mean, you're absolutely privileged to have Buffelli in your team. And like, I, I would, as someone who's seen world-class players at my club and watched them and been like, oh, wow, this is it's a privilege to have you. Enjoy it while it lasts, because the big <laughs> the big clubs will be circling. Um, Buffelli, Buffelli will be off probably next season. I would imagine there'll be someone, yeah, takes yeah. him away. But you know, he's he's just, and it's a weird one because he's actually like, he's not a traditional winger. He's not really like he's not blisteringly quick. He's positionally very strong. Does does the basics so well. He. In a lot of ways, he reminds me of a kind of later career Sean Maitland with that positional defensive ability. Also, he is able to make a break, but he has the addition of that goal kicking, which is priceless. So, you know, you've got an absolute gem there. Um, so, I mean, that's from the two club sides. Scotland's a whole different beast. And I'm really concerned for Scotland. I don't, I don't know where we go next. Almost... The World Cup can't come quickly enough because I kind of want it to be over and kind of want to get it. And I know that sounds terrible, I know, but it, I kind of think Townsend, and I've been very vocal about this, I think Townsend's tenure was over um, and should have been over. Um, and the reason it's not is we are in a cycle. We can't hire coaches. It's mid, mid-cycle, World Cup, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, interestingly for me, the guys coming Guys coming through for Scotland, having Jamie Ritchie back is priceless. He is gold dust in that park. The challenge is how do you fit Jamie Ritchie, potentially any of the following, Jamie Ritchie, Hamish Watson, Matt Fagerson, Magnus Bradbury, um, possibly Jack Dempsey, Rory Darch, <laughs> like Sam Skinner, except we could keep going. How do you fit those guys into a side? You it's it's crazy. So, and then that's before we even start talking about Connor Boyle, Muncaster, you know, other young guys that are coming through. It's we're really blessed for back rows at the moment, and I think Jamie Ritchie's the pick of them, um, because he offers something different. But let's let's see another season of development. But the big players for Scotland this year, like it, this, is for me. This this is the last hurrah of that golden generation we had. Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg have to knuckle down, have to do things properly. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them retire after the World Cup from Scotland duty. I think they'll probably be done. Um, and then it'll be interesting because they've been irreplaceable. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
you know, let's let's see if we can because there's players out there that should be able to do a job. Um, but we just need to give them give them space and time to do it. Yeah, I mean, um, I would go to the Townsend point first. Um, I've actually said this for a while. I think we brought Townsend in too soon. I don't think he yeah. was mature enough in his coaching career to take on the Scotland role. And I actually think we would have won a Six Nations between when he started and when he, and now if if we'd kept Vern Cotter. And I know we all bang on about Vern Cotter as would have been the chosen one, but I genuinely believe that because there was more, yeah, okay, Jim Hamilton was un- upset because he didn't get picked for the World Cup, but Jim Hamilton shouldn't have been picked for squads for about three years prior to that. I don't know how he kept getting in. Exactly. He, he seems like a nice guy, but he was slow and we've got more dynamic second rows that could should have could have should have we'd have been playing. Um but yeah. you know, I think I honestly think that, that Townsend was not mature enough and he's got this tendency of just randomly picking people out of thin air that we've never heard of and I get all Yeah. Oh he loves a tomboa. Loves yeah. a tomboa. Um so yeah I think the Townsend thing is is I would love him to prove me wrong, win a Six Nations, go and that, go and get yeah. to the semi finals of the World Cup. I'd love that, but I, I don't see it happening. Um, I yeah. could see us getting having a pretty crap Six Nations. Um, I know that somebody suggested that we might win the Six Nations and then go crashing at the World Cup. <laughs> one of these online poll things that I saw. It's um, so very us, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, for, for me, um, breakthrough players, I think the Stafford McDowell one's a good shout. I think Cole Forbes is going to kick on. Cole Forbes is going to kick on and get a Scotland cap. And it's it's Ollie Smith, isn't it? I always get his last name wrong for some reason. Yeah, right? Ollie Smith is the, the other fullback slash potentially 13, actually. Um, he's, he's played up 13 as well and looked very good there as well. So, yeah. yeah. I get his last name wrong because it's kind of ordinary and everyone's seen weird last names these days. But he is uh, he, he he looks a real prospect and, and, the, and I suppose the the next fullback after Hogg does hang them up, I guess, um, long term. He, he, he looks more of a a sure fullback than Hogg in a sense that he's much more like your classic fullback, like Mike Brown or something, that he's going to catch the high ball. And I know it's a, it's a bit of a trope that Hoggy can't catch a high ball, but he looks more sure, but he maybe doesn't have that kind of X factor that Hoggy has, which is... Yeah, which might come into his game at some point. So I'm, and that, I'm, that's the thing. I think we've been spoiled in some ways because Stuart Hogg was X Factor from a very young age, and you know done incredible things. And almost to me, his game his game hasn't matured at all. He's 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 kept a lot of those a lot of the rough edges in his game still exist, and you, you know you can see teams work around that. And that's not to say he's not an incredible player. He obviously is and has. His skill set, his positive skill set is incredible. He's, you know, he, his kicking game is phenomenal. It suits the new legis- the, the new rules around 50-22 and that. Hogg Hog is a great player, but he does have weaknesses. Of course he does. And it's, as you say, you know, if you get a player that can do, we've been so blessed to have players that have been, you know, very, very talented, but having two, three world-class players, that's all you need in a team. You actually need the other twelve players to do the basics well and do them every time. And look at the great teams over the years. Look at the All Black sides that have dominated. Yeah, there's there's flair and there's X factor in there, but the vast majority of it is doing the basics right and 
having guys like Ollie Smith, who looks like a level-headed guy, potentially, you know, someone who could be that sort of player that just does his job and does it well. That that's what we need. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, for for Edinburgh, um, and I actually think this is someone who could could end up being a break breakthrough star for Scotland um, in the autumn or even in the Six Nations is um, is Charlie Savala. I know this sounds absolutely bonkers, but I've watched him and he's he starts to get more used to because he played league. He came from I can't remember the name. Yeah, of him. he's a he's a league convert. That's right. But as he seems to be getting more comfortable with how you deal with Union when like recycling the ball and things because he was always looking for mad offloads when he first came um, he, he looked in the two preseason games as soon as he came on the whole team seemed to just respond yeah. better to what they were doing and Jaco van der Volt I have a lot of time for Jaco van der Volt because he's, he's steady but he's not it's not anything special no. but Charlie Savala looks like he, he could he could break into that Scotland squad and he looks to me I know this sounds mad but he looks like a more sure thing than Blair Kinghorn and I hate to bring up the name Kinghorn I mean it, does, it doesn't sound that mad to me but uh, you know um, <laughs> but he, it doesn't he, sound he, that mad I think his goal kicking's more more accurate um, yep he, and he, that is a big thing because when Blair Kinghorn's playing at 10 who have we got to goal kick that is actually a goal kicker exactly. Um, we don't have a nine anymore like Laidlaw that can kick. So even I know that Russell can kick a lot better than than most, but you know we always had a nine or someone else that could kick. We don't have that in Scotland anymore if Kinghorn starts at ten. So I think Savala could. I don't know if Tony will do it, but I think Savala could come into the Scotland squad. And if um, Ross Thompson is not healthy come the time of the Australia game, I think. Charlie Savala will be in that Scotland squad along with Billy Kinghorn because we can't use any we can't use Ben Russell or anyone from far further away because it's it's not an international window. So yeah, I think true. I think he could come in and, and deal with that. Um that'd be really yeah. interesting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's maybe a bonkers idea and I'll get a lot of hate for it, but um, ah, don't, don't worry about that. Just uh yeah, just just enjoy the mentions. You'll be fine. <laughs> The other guy I think could break through for, for Edinburgh and, and possibly Scotland, although he's got a lot of people on his way, is Patrick Harrison. Yeah. Um, excellent for the under-20s. But you've got Ashman, Rambo still kicking about. I think Fraser Brown, to me, is... I don't think he should be in another Scotland squad. He's lost a step. He was a great player. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Patrick Harrison, it, Ashman, they're the future of our, our hooker position. And our back row is ridiculous. Uh, I don't know how we can't make players that good in other positions. Like I, I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, surprising non-factors, um, I'll start. I'll start off with one because it I, it comes off the back of the Argentina tour. My yeah. surprising non-factor for the autumn the autumn tests is Chris Harris. Ah, okay. I don't think you can replace Mark Bennett after the autumn tests and just say that Harris comes back in. That's my personal opinion. What Tooney thinks is going to be completely different. But that's, I think that Mark, the, the age of Mark Bennett has, has finally come. And if he You, you think him, we're, we're in the second coming of Mark Bennett now? Do you think this, yeah, is, this is the well, time? He's the perfect blend of what everyone loves about Hugh Jones and what everyone loves about Chris Harris because I've not really seen him fall off the tackles like I've no. seen Jones fall off the tackles. 
but I've also seen him run lines that Jones has run. So I kind of think that he's 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 the guy that the second coming of Mark Bennett. I think he should stay in that thirteen jersey. That's a, that's a really a really really interesting uh, idea. And you know, I I've got all the love in the world for Mark Bennett. I think he is a phenomenal player. I think he's got again he's got a skill set that's underrated. Uh, he was often seen, particularly in his early career, he was seen as just a pace merchant. He, you know, he had that wonderful turn of pace and step to get through, but he's strong as an ox as well. He's, you know, he's not a small guy. He's, he's got a lot about him, and I think his injury problems over the years have. You often find players adjust their game due to, you know, you know, you have you have ACL injuries. You tend to adjust your game, and you tend to be a different type of player. And I think he. Yeah, he retains that ability, as you rightly say. You know, it's more about his tactical lines than maybe that outright pace that he once had. But his defensive work is good and it is really strong. For me, I, I, so I agree with you. I think you you would struggle to make a case for him other than Harris has got a lot of credit in the bank now and Townsend really likes him. But I don't think it's a bad thing that you've got Mark Bennett. You know, hopefully he'll kick on this season do some great things at club level. Hugh Jones is back at Glasgow. Hopefully we'll see him rediscover some form. Uh, you know, he was, he was playing well at Harlequins. Uh, be interesting to see him used at 13 again, or will he be pro- predominantly a 15? Who knows? It's, you know, you've got a couple options there. Then you've, you start to go kind of past that. You start seeing, well, Kyle Stain's an option at 13. Tupelotu has been used at 13. We've got depth starting to arise at that position. And that's before we even go into the next level of young players coming through that can play the position. So I think Harris is on a bit of a sugary peg. Um, I still expect him to start the autumn tests with Harris, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bennett was able to kind of grab that jersey off him at some point, because I, I agree with you. I think Bennett's a great mix of what we want from a 13. Yeah. Yeah. So it's is there anyone, anyone that you thought might might not be a much of a factor that maybe expect to be a factor this year for for club or, or country? Yes, I mean the fact yeah, so there's a couple of people couple of people jumping out at me. Um the first first ones they're both quite controversial, so let's just go from there anyway. Right. So I've already mentioned them. I think Hamish Watson might find himself struggling this year. Um off the back of not a great season last year by his own standards, which are blooming lofty, I I really hope that he's re-energised. I know it can be really tough after the Lions tour to come back and to you know you're playing consecutive seasons of rugby. Uh, I think it was a mistake that he went on the tour to Argentina, um, even though he was you know able to captain the side and stuff. I still think it was a a mistake because. For me, he could have used the rest, but you know, maybe he hadn't played as much rugby as, as he hoped. It'll be interesting. I think he's under huge pressure at club level, and also because of the makeup of that back row now. Rory Darge has almost made himself like he's 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 in the Jamie Ritchie mold of almost indispensable in that Scotland back row, just because of how good he's been at Glasgow, and and then. Making that transition, you look. You see people make that transition to international rugby. Some people take a few few games. Some people take ten caps. Others hit the ground, and you go, "Yep, you are now an international son. 
you're, you're you'll be in every squad for the next ten years if you decide to be. Um, and he is one of those. But so I think Watson might struggle. The other one who might struggle, other side of the M8, Ali Price might find himself in a bit of bother. And I think he might struggle this season. Purely for the reason I think George Horn is going to get a lot more game time under Franco Smith. And I think a fit and firing George Horn could put a lot of pressure on Ali Price. And because of the development structure, because of the way contracts work, and because we've got a couple of up-and-coming nines who will need game time, you might find that Ali Price gets not doesn't get a bench roll, might go to Jamie Dobby, who we need to see get game time and develop. I, I would be surprised if that was allowed to happen, because I think um, the the brass at Murrayfield might have words with Franco if the starting nine for Scotland is no longer playing regularly for Glasgow. But in the run-up to a World Cup season, he played significant rugby during the Lions Tour as well. You might find he just gets a wee rest uh, this season, just plays a few fixtures, does does what we all affectionately know as the, the Alvin Jones approach of only playing, you know, four times for your club all year, but playing playing international. So, but I think from a club level, he might find himself struggling this year. Yeah. In terms of, it's funny you bring up Ali Price and, and George Horn. And it, it, in terms of Ali Price, I actually thought Ben White's kind of outplayed him recently. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Velicott lover because obviously he came to Edinburgh and has changed that. But, um, even even I can't deny that I think White's got more of the complete package for international rugby than, than yeah. maybe Bellicott. And I think George Horn is such a talent, but I wonder sometimes if he's got the full international package because he's more like round the fringes. I don't know if he can, can like kill a game off. I like yeah. I, I I like him as a sub and if we're down I would bring him on, but I'm not sure if we were up I would bring him on, sort of thing. And Velicott's yeah. kind of the same. Um and I do wonder if 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 Ali Price could be in jeopardy from Ben White, if Ben White gets a run of games, if there's a, a reason why Ali Price isn't playing in one of the autumn tests or something, if if Ben White could take that that spot off him altogether and and become our night. Ben White's a very very good player, and I think I think the George Horn one's a really interesting one because it's it's funny in Scotland we always talk about like players players play to play to strategy and play to you know they have their natural tendencies, but. There is obviously tactics that go around what they do. And I think the issue with George Horn is he's just he's never actually had the opportunity to close out a game or to to showcase that for all I know, he might be a phenomenal game management nine and able to to wind the clock down and do everything you need to do. We've just never had the opportunity to see it because he's never been trusted in that role. And I think there's a lot to be said for players in training and you know, coaches obviously watch them very, very closely and they'll they'll know what what they're capable of, but nothing replicates that final five minutes in a Six Nations match where you're two points up and you're camped in your own ten meter line and you're you're having to play slow ball and you know, protect the ball and what have you. Nothing nothing you can't train for that. That is just you either can do that or you can't in that moment. And the only way you get better at that is doing that. So it's it's such a tough one. And I think we've missed a trick with Horn. I think, you know, he's 27 now. Still plenty of time to kick on as a, a as a talent, but 
I think we have missed a trick in not utilising them quite as well as we have, but as we could have maybe. But there is other talent out there, and I think it'll be interesting to see um, see how scrum halves kick on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of nine ten combo, I always thought that it was a game. I can't remember what game it was, but Adam Hastings was on, and I think he was he had started because Finn Russell was injured or something. And I'm sure it was yeah. Laidlaw. And as much as people got on at Laidlaw for being slow and stuff, I really rated Laidlaw for what he done, what he did for Scotland. But they just didn't click. And then as soon as Horn came on, Hastings game. Life. But I think he suit. It depends on the the nine ten combos important. And it's like I think if in Argentina, if Velikot had been there and played maybe with Kinghorn, people would be saying different things about Kinghorn and that th- that third test and stuff. Um, yeah, it's not that's not me being a Kinghorn apologist because I know all Edinburgh fans are. <laughs> Some things he done in that game that was so stupid that I couldn't believe it. But I, I do think that there's you need to get that combo right, and if you've got. Kinghorn playing with Price, I don't necessarily think that's the best combo. I think yeah, totally, totally, to totally. With to suit the way he plays, uh, which is running lines and basically being a twelve at ten. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't ask him to distribute because that's not his skill set. No. Um, get get him running big hard lines through through that that ten twelve gap and challenging that line and then getting the offloads. That's that's what you want Kinghorn to be doing. And to do that, you need a fast paced nine who's going to hit you with accurate ball and not necessarily, you don't have to be the most technically like controlling nine. You just want somebody to lob the ball to you really fast. Yeah. And that's what, that's what's, I mean, actually I'm surprised they didn't try George Horn with Kinghorn because. I think Horn and Kinghorn work quite well. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. exactly what you're saying. Just pace, yeah. pace, pace, challenging the line, lob ball, boom, boom, boom. So yeah, it's, it is all combos, isn't it? And, you know, I, I've I've given my view on the Kinghorn experiment, and it's not because I don't think he's. Again, I I go back to it. It's not because I don't think he's got potential to be a a competent ten. I think he is a competent ten. I don't think he's necessarily international caliber ten. Um, but I do think he's a phenomenal fullback. I think he's a great option at fullback, and you saw in the second test when they had to shuffle things about and he went to fullback that just the level of comfort that he started to to show it it changed the game and made it much, we dominated that second period because you had him running in space you had him running with lines lots of open field in front of him not having to worry about oh well i need to set up this shape and this shape and this shape and then do this and do this give him the ball let him run that's what he's good at and there's a position for that um, and it's not ten. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Um, and then it, uh, for I mean, it was I don't know. Townsend seems to get ideas in his head, and he, he fixates on them, and he fixates on them. We should substitute someone. Like I can't remember what game it was, but there was a game where Schumann was. It was he had the better of his opposite number, and then they took him off for some reason, and the scrum started going to pot. We were losing in the loose, and you're like. Schumann can play 80 minutes. Keep him on. Like, you don't have to just substitute him because you're like, oh, it's 60 minutes and that's when my props come off. It's 60 minutes. We're going to take off Ashman, who's playing excellent, and put on McAnally or whatever. Um, He gets... That's kind of annoys me. He kind of doesn't... I think that's where 
Townsend really annoys me the most is he doesn't feel the game. He just kind of he's got in his head a preconceived notion what's going to happen and that's what's going to, yeah, what's going to he happen. He sticks to his when, plans and doesn't yeah. doesn't adjust. Any anyway, this uh, half an hour podcast that we were going to do is has ran on quite quite a lot. So, um, but it's been very good, and you're very you're very easy to chat to as well, which which helps uh, significantly. Thanks very much. That's very kind of you. <laughs> um, so, um, it, I I don't know if there's any any closing points. I suppose. Um, what what are your expectations for the for the autumn tests and the um a in the Six Nations, and lastly, um, with the Women's World Cup team, and I have to confess, I'm I'm not as up to speed in the women's game as I'd like to be. I know yep. some of the players, and I've been a couple of the games, and I'm, I was disappointed the Spain game was cancelled because I was actually looking forward to seeing them properly for the first time. Um, who who uh, what what's your expectations first and foremost of for the Autumn Test for the for the men's team, and who should we be looking out for in the World Cup, um, and how do you think Scotland? Chances are in the World Cup for the for the women. Yeah, so I mean, from 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 an autumn test perspective, uh, the, so the, the the Scottish men's team are in a really difficult position just now, and I I could theoretically see us losing the vast majority of the games between now and the the World Cup, and then losing quite a few games in the World Cup too. We've got a tough autumn, you know. We've obviously we always cry and say we want the we want to play the All Blacks, and we've got that. And you know they're not in the best position themselves, but they'll they'll still. You know, I really think we might find ourselves losing quite a few games over the autumn. Then into the Six Nations, I just don't see enough from our side to think that we could challenge. I think we've went backwards and I don't see it changing until we get a change of coaching. Uh, and, it, and, and it's not because Townsend's not a capable coach. It's more just I think it's time for a new voice uh, in that leadership group and a new a kind of change of um, just a change of the guard really. But yeah, I I I would be concerned. I think we we might find ourselves losing quite a few matches uh, over, the, over the next wee, wee while. Um, which you know, isn't ideal, obviously. Um, in, t- in terms of the women's game, though, very exciting. You know, I think we have to be... So we have to be realistic that we've qualified for World Cup, and this is, you know, historic. We're, we're doing this um, in spite of the way things have been and the way the funding mechanisms have been. And we've obviously, anyway, that was listening to us on the Scottish Rugby podcast, has heard us be very vocal about the women's game should be professional um, and it's been criminal that it hasn't been. We've been left behind significantly by other nations. And with that in mind, we will go to this World Cup and I think we will struggle. I think it's great. We will have some time before it to to, to see how the how the guys can kind of come together and you know uh, build a squad. But it's going to be a challenge because ultimately you're taking part-time players for the most part, try to mould them into an international team that can compete at the highest level with, for example, an English team that's won their 47th game out of 50, uh, 28 games in a row or something they've, they've now won. You know, that's a juggernaut. The New Zealand team that everyone's writing off is a world-class New Zealand team that are just being overshadowed by an English team that are better than them. 
you've got other other nations are taking women's rugby seriously, and because of that, Scotland are going to struggle. But you know, it's for me, it's not about what happens at the World Cup. If you can be competitive and you can make be proud of the performance, that that's what's important. And actually, it's about getting the right coverage of the World Cup so that girls, you know, I've got a young daughter, so that guys like that can just see women's rugby on the television go, do you know what? I didn't know women could play rugby or I didn't know women's rugby existed or I want to go and do that. That looks really interesting. Let's go and give that a bash. Having those facilities to then take that from watching it on TV at a World Cup and being able to then go to your local club and go and play women's rugby. So important. Gets to the absolute heart of rugby and inclusivity and what we should be trying to do um, with with uh, women's rugby. So I think there's a real opportunity for us, but we're just we're just on the precipice of this being a hopefully the, the this this could be the crucial point in when the history of women's rugby for for Scottish rugby and we're 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 going to have to like we've got a wee bit of pain ahead of us still, but um, I really hope the the players enjoy the experience first and foremost. Foremost, that's you know that's really what uh, what you need to to be seeing in terms of players to look out for. If you're watching it for the first time, Rona Lloyd on the wing, absolute pace merchant. Um, I've I've never, um, you know, you've got, got Rona Lloyd, you've got uh, Coy Rowley as well. They're both really really incredible runners with the ball. Um, in terms of balanced runners as well, just the the, the actual. Ability, you know, there's nothing quite like seeing someone at full speed who is then able to change direction with ease. And those are two players that can do that. Uh, and in the forwards, you've got you know well known names uh, to anybody that's kind of been around Scottish rugby. Jade Conco, um, Rachel Malcolm is the captain for the team uh, as well. So, um, yeah, there's lots to look out for. Uh, and a big shout out for it is Emma Lasso as well. She's she's a firm favourite of the podcast, guys. Um, I'm just you know consistency at lock personified. So keep your eyes out for them. Uh, but yeah, fingers crossed. There's a lot of talent in that team, and uh, I hope they can compete well. Yeah, and I wish them all the best. And I hope I hope there's some way I can watch it. Um, and and kind of keep up with because I've still not seen anything advertised. Yeah, we we were kind of struggling yesterday to find find where the coverage is at. So I think yeah, we'll we'll do a bit of digging in that, and hopefully we'll get get some news out on that. And, make sure that, yeah, the, the coverage is there because it would be absolutely criminal if it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. As you as you say, for for anyone that doesn't think that that exists for them, then, you know, it's it's, it's putting it in front of them. It's the same yeah. thing that happened with, uh, I know it's the England team and, and Scots, we generally don't support them, but the, 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 the Lionesses the, have captured The Lionesses, yeah. Um, so it's that sort of thing. But, um I'm getting now getting frantic tests for a uh, what kind of pizza shall I order for Lindsay? I'm getting that <laughs> from my neighbour, so it's maybe a uh, cue to to um to bring this to an end. But not a problem. Thank you so much for your uh for your time. It's not every day you get a Scottish rugby Twitter and podcast darling on. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, trying to make that stick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wait to see how the other voice react to that. Um, but thank you so much for your time. It's great. Ah, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks. So uh, thanks to John for coming on and adding some colour to the podcast. I'll be back uh, soon uh, with some more sports-type chat. Um, it might just be me, a solo one next time, so uh, I apologise in advance. 
Um, but I hope you're enjoying all this. If you want to get in touch, um, feel free to check us out on at All Blaze No Glory on Twitter, um, All Blaze No Glory on Facebook, and at All Blaze No Glory on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and you have a great rest of the week.